Okay, we're just going to do a general trigger warning for this episode before we start. This episode involves the crew of Moya going onto the carrier and really getting into the Peacekeeper Society. So there's a lot of discussion about fascism and fascist societies and specifically talk about um, Nazis in our podcast as we discuss this. We also mention... Sexual assault. It doesn't occur in this episode, but it comes up... uh, In regards to Scorpius's backstory. And uh, there's also some mention of uh, suicide and self-harm. Yes. So just be warned, uh, it was a heavy episode of Farscape, so our discussion likewise went to some heavy places. Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 20 of Farscape. Into the Lion's Den, Part 1, Lambs to the Slaughter. So remember how last episode was all, ooh, we're gonna go kill Scorpius, it's time to murder Scorpius once and for all. That just went right out the window, didn't it? Well, I mean, they knew from the start they were gonna be wearing the... Yench bracelets of the the titular Yench bracelets from last episode. Oh, so do they have to figure out how to de-link them before they can kill Scorpius? Because it feels kind of like they just gave up on the whole killing Scorpius thing. Oh, they definitely gave up on the whole killing Scorpius thing. The plan now is just to keep him from getting wormhole technology. Although, to be fair, they think that they've killed Scorpius so many times, but, you know, at this point, like, I think that would be at very... at very least disheartening and at most you like you'd be like how what i I can't kill this guy which i feel like maybe you could if you just tried a little harder but john just needs to apply himself also you need to stick around to make sure he's actually dead well i mean that's just murder 101 Mm. that's not being a batman villain 101 like come on Yeah, I was going to say, villains are the ones who don't wait around to see that someone's dead, but also heroes probably don't kill people. I mean, they do, but whatever. I still think that uh, Aaron's mom should have been a ghost on that ghost planet, and it should have turned out that uh, Grace actually killed her. I feel like that would have made that episode better. I a thousand percent agree with that. Ever since you said that, it's it's been like, ah, the flaw in that episode, it would have been so much better. Also, Aaron's mom was, like, unrealized potential, the character. She was so cool in her first appearance, and then she just sucked for the rest of her. Which, okay, we get introduced to a new villain who's apparently a big honking deal in this episode. That's correct. I wish that had been Aaron's mother. She is kind of a badass. Oh, God, and there's no reason that it couldn't have been Aaron's mother. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of just honked off that they wasted what's her bucket soon. Or do do names travel? Yeah, yeah. yeah her her name was um. Oh shoot! Now I forget her name. But yeah, it she, her last name was soon. Aaron's mom soon. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Aaron's mom. In uh, do you, are you familiar with the comic Tarot Witch of the Black Rose? Only the things you have shown me, and then my subsequent Google image search. So, Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, is done by Jim Ballant, who mm-hmm. did, uh, he did 90s Catwoman, 
And then he was famous enough to do whatever he wanted, which was a, I don't want to call it a porn comic, but it's basically a porn comic, except like, it's kind of hyper violent too. Like, (laughs) you're like, I want to say it's pornographic, but it's also gratuitously violent. Yeah. Yeah. The 90s never really ended for Jim Ballant, but... I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt you here to say that growing up, I had a Jim Ballant Catwoman poster in my bedroom. Mm. Mm. Explains mm. a lot, right? Yeah. That definitely does. But in the comic, a reoccurring, minorly important character is Taro's mom, who never gets a name. So, in an issue where she gets killed... The main character's boyfriend, who's kind of the main character, mm-hmm. Skeleton Man, he's Tara, the Witch of the Black Rose's boyfriend. He's cradling her corpse and he screams up to the heavens, Taro's mom! Because the character never got a name. That's That, that sounds like a parody. Uh, yeah, yeah, there, there's, there, there's a lot of... Uh, I don't know why I'm going off on this rant. Aaron's mom did get a name, we just can't remember it. But, uh... It's, it's Alex soon. It's Alex soon. It kind of reminds me of that thing, someone, um, the Talking Simpsons guys, when they did their uh, thing about the critic, when they pointed out how many episodes have important female characters who never get names. Yes. Yes. What I think is weird is that you're going off a lot about Aaron's mom, a character who died <laughs> three episodes ago and does not appear. Yeah, Zalex is like, sir, not appearing in this episode. Yeah, we're focusing on, well, I'm focusing a lot on a character who's irrelevant only because uh, I feel like it would have been cool if the new badass female villain character was Aaron's mom, but also this isn't Star Wars, not everyone needs to be related. So I guess it's fine. It just feels weird that they had this like badass older female character and then they were like, and yeah, we're bored with her, and they killed her off, and they introduced this other badass female older woman character. Yeah, that is weird. Also, I mean, you're right. It's not Star Wars, and this is pretty much emphasizing that. We talked about how Scorpius just apparently cannot be killed, but this is... Somehow Scorpius returned. <laughs> yeah, but in general, Farscape is not afraid of having a body count. This episode introduces two characters we've never seen before to be the exes of Crace and Aaron, and they had to introduce them as new characters because anyone else who's been related to them romantically has died. Yeah, in theory, I mean, I know, obviously it can't be because... But, uh, Crace had that assistant whose neck he snapped, who was kind of in love with him. And this is, again, they introduce a character who is basically that character again, and... I guess Aaron had the guy who taught her how to love and then she had him killed. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But he doesn't really fit the same narrative niche because like with Crace, it is literally just the same character that he killed. And they're like, okay, we need another one of these. This woman is not that. If anything, she's kind of Aaron's PK tech girl. I mean, she's she's Aaron's. She's Aaron's friend. Like what we're meant to see is that Crace and Aaron had lives that were things other than flying around in prowlers shooting at John before the beginning of the series. Which is a nice thing to establish, although it's, well, it's something media is kind of not comfortable with. Showing truly evil societies as having parts that have humanity. 
Well, yeah, no one's evil all the time. I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of something that's, you know, more adult than the Fire Nation in Avatar, but not all the way to, I don't know, Nazis. Right, right. But nobody can be evil all the time. At the end of the day, you're going to go home and be with your family or you're going to go out drinking with your friends, and that's not a thing we're comfortable being portrayed in media. There's a bit, which I think might be the only good bit of Austin Powers. I don't know. I haven't seen it for a while. But there's a bit where Austin shoots, like, one of Dr. Evil's henchmen, and then it hard cuts to the guy's family. And, like, his wife getting the news about her husband, uh, you know, dying, and her just collapsing on the floor crying. I don't remember that part. I may have made that up, but I'm pretty sure that was a thing that happened, at least to some degree. Like, they, they hard cut to a guy's family after she uh, after he gets shot by Austin Powers. And, it's, yeah, people are people, even when they're doing evil fascist shit. The thing that I like that this episode showed, and we'll talk about it more when that scene happens, is that no one thinks of themselves as the bad guys. Well, that's... That's also the thing about, God, I want to not reference Nazis here so much, but they're so relevant now. It's the thing that makes people think, oh, I'm not a bad person, even if I'm, say, trying to pass legislature to punish a, you know, famously disenfranchised group of people. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not the bad guy because I'm not this cartoonishly evil thing that's portrayed in media. Like, even if you're a group that does something, the, the fact that we can't have nuance, which is also there's a whole thing with media discourse that I don't want to get into. Well, I mean, if you want to uh, move away from very serious real world things. Are you, I, are you talking Steven Universe? Uh, no, no. I was going to reference the only good thing from the Lorax, the absolute banger song, How Bad Can I Be? Ah, uh, uh. I, I thought you were going to talk about, uh, when you said the Lorax, I thought you were going to talk about the bit in the old movie, or short, the, the animated one, uh -huh. where the one slur points out to the Lorax, look, I can't stop doing what I'm doing. I, I know it's bad for the environment, but all of these people who work in my factories need these jobs to support their families. Like, it sucks that I'm destroying your environment, but at the end of the day, I need to look out for my people, and if they don't have this, they're going to die. It was capitalism all along. Yeah. Which, <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Farscape. So, previously on Farscape, we talked briefly about the Yench bracelets that John and Scorpius are both going to wear that cause them to feel each other's pain, and if one of them dies, the other one dies. John, Which is such a minor part of last week's episode. Well, it's, it's why they couldn't let anyone die, right? Because otherwise, you don't believe that Dargo and Rigel would try to keep Braca and Scorpius alive. Mm. It... it it created stakes. Uh, but uh, it's Dargo. But John has told Scorpius that he's going to give him wormhole technology because what's important is that the Scarens don't get it. But actually, what he plans to do is wipe it out so that Scorpius doesn't have it, so that nobody has it because it's too dangerous for anyone to have. And that's where we are. Oh, also, Talon. 
um, is... He got brain wiped last episode. He went nuts and he destroyed a medical ship and killed hundreds of people for no reason. So they just... And then he fired on Moya. Yeah. So they basically just did a hard reset on him. And now he's basically a baby again with none of the horrifying, traumatic experiences uh, Talon's been through up to this point. I mean, I said it last time. Talon is basically Connor from Angel. Mm. Right down to the solution where you just wipe his memory of growing up in a hell dimension. I feel like the Angel and Faith comics tricked me because he's a character in those. Connor, obviously not Talon. And he's like this really cool, balanced guy who's like helpful. And he like guides Angel and Faith and Willow through Kortoth. Mm-hmm. And he's just this normal, cool guy. And I'm like, I think I was too harsh on Connor, you know. I'm going to go rewatch some of the Connor stuff from Angel and dear fucking God, I forgot how much he's the worst. Christos Gage and Rebecca Isaacs deserve so much credit for taking this character and making him not the worst. And then he grew up and married Alexis Bledel. And then he was Pete on uh, Mad Men, a character who is the worst in a way that is hilarious. He 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 leaned into it and used his worstness for good. All right, Farscape. We start off with John talking to the Scorpius in his head to to Harvey. Yeah, they're in a World War Two one possibly. I think it's a World War One movie because it really feels like All Quiet on the Western Front to me, which is a World War One movie. Hmm. But they're talking about how to deal with actual Scorpius. Mm-hmm. So basically, Head Scorpius is going to be John's man on the inside. He's he he knows <laughs> <laughs> he knows everything about Scorpius, and he's going to keep John alive because if John dies, Head Scorpius goes with him. Is Head Scorpius kind of becoming his own separate character? That's sort of the feel I was getting from this episode. He definitely is. He's making decisions that are detrimental to Scorpius Scorpius. So, God, the, uh, what were the crooked aliens called again? The founders or the- The ancients. The ancients. There was really no good reason for them to put the wormhole knowledge in John's head, like- all it does is screw John and other people over. Like, this is a plan that had no upside to it at any point. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad that uh, What's-Her-Face killed that last one, the one who pretended to be John's dad, because why not be a creepy, manipulative asshole? They're the elders of this show. Yeah. I mean, I've I'm famously opposed to the prime directive i think it's paternalism and and not great but man it does really it does really give you an argument in favor of the prime directive i mean i don't even think it's a prime directive thing i think it's just not being an asshole like don't hey i'm gonna give you wormhole technology that you can sort of access kind of but not really Mm mm-hmm but it's going to get the worst people in the universe after you so that they can, like, dissect your brain or whatever. And if they get the information, they'll use it as a genocide weapon. And if they don't get it, question mark, question mark, profit. What's the best case scenario to giving him this? I'm sorry, we should talk about the actual episode, but... No, no, this is an important question. I mean, the best case scenario is that John 
is a good and tender-hearted person who uses it for good to explore the galaxy? He's already exploring the galaxy. Like, I mean, I guess he could do it more efficiently, but, like, I, I know I talked about this in the uh, episode where they got stuck in that pocket dimension or whatever. Right, yeah. But John kind of sucks ass as a universe explorer. I mean, I know this is not something, it's not his goal or whatever, but, like, he was complaining about the fact that they only had the, uh, they only had the planets in that solar system to explore. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you could spend your whole life exploring one planet, John. Although John's not really an explorer. I mean, he was coming up with wormhole technology because he wants to go fast. John wants to go fast. Things on those planets did not go fast. John is the Sonic the Hedgehog of Earth people. Oh, man, I was thinking Speed Racer. Uh, I think that might be a generational difference there. Wow. Wow. Anyway, Moya's crew lands on Scorpius's command carrier, and they all exit to a phalanx of peacekeepers in a shot which is, I want to say that it's lifted from Triumph of the Will, Lenny Riefenstahl's propaganda movie about Nazis, but George Lucas lifted a bunch of that from Star Wars, so it might actually just be referencing Star Wars referencing Triumph of the Will, but it's it's a very uh, evocative fascist shot. Yeah, there's a lot of Nazi imagery in this episode, and I want to clarify a point I was making earlier. I think it's important to acknowledge that Nazis are people, not because, not because Nazis are good, obviously, by it. Like, obviously, Nazis are bad. But you have to acknowledge that there are people, that they are people, that they're not just faceless, evil masses. Because if you have to confront the idea that this is something that exists in regular people. Regular people can and do do evil things. Right. I mean, you have to acknowledge that regular people have the capacity for evil. Otherwise... You can be fooled into thinking that a person is not doing evil because you know that they have a capacity for humanity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Again, the thing I said earlier, where it's it's such a frustrating thing, and I it's it's weird because the internet collapses all nuance. Yes, it's weird to it's weird to reference Steven Universe here, but go, I'm gonna do it. Go ahead. There's this whole thing about Steven Universe. I. Don't know how familiar you, our audience, is with Steven Universe. It's about this kid whose mom's, like, a space alien whose race was, like... Gems. Gems. Whose race was invading Earth, but she fell in love with Earth, and she turned against her people. And, like, he learns... Like, he, he has all this empathy, and he teaches it to the members of his mom's race who want to invade Earth again. And a lot of people were really angry with that show, because they're like... You know, it's a show about ignoring the evils of fascism. It's there. They were angry that the fascist space empire is not punished for being a fascist space empire. He teaches them empathy. They decide to stop invading planets. The end. I mean, were people upset with that show or are you and I terminally online and we get all of the Tumblr discourse? Well, see, this is this is the thing about that. Because that was people being upset with the show. It's a terminally online thing, yes, but it's also a people sending death threats to the, you know, studio and specific writers and... Oh, know, I didn't realize that part. Yeah. 
To be fair, and this is super depressing, apparently that's just part of working in children's animation these days. Apparently, uh, I don't know if you, how familiar you are with the new Voltron TV show, which... I'm, a little bit. I watched like the first episode. Yeah, I didn't really watch it, but I caught a lot of the, pardon my French, batshit stuff the fan base was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and there was a lot of stuff with that with She-Ra too. And it's not just the fan base, it's people who hate it. But like, my, my point is, the internet and honestly, people as a whole don't like nuance. Nuance is not fun because it forces you to confront the idea that you know you have the capacity for evil to to circle it back around Mm -hmm. people people don't like the idea that evil is not an inborn thing they like the thought that evil is an inborn thing instead of a series of choices that frankly anyone can make and that you constantly have to make yeah you constantly have to make the choice to confront evil mm-hmm. to work against it which uh, a lot of this episode is dealing with a character arc Aaron's been dealing with which is the temptation to become a peacekeeper again mm-hmm. because it's familiar because it's easy and that's the thing about I think there's the, the there's a phrase the banality of evil yes like it's really e- it it's really easy to just go along with the flow even if the flow's going in a negative direction it's very easy not to fight against bad things especially when they're being presented as a fact of life or uh or in a kind of i don't want to say bloodless but bureaucratic way oh yes well this is also kind of confronting the concept of the lesser of two evils because john has to question whether or not the peacekeepers are in fact the lesser of two evils against the scarens and i'll talk about that a little more when we get to that scene yeah which yeah we should actually get into the episode we're talking around it so much so as they are entering the command carrier aaron kind of covertly breaks John's thumb like she pulls it back to twist it so that they can watch Scorpius's reaction and make sure that the bracelets are actually on. Aaron by the way is full tight ponytail again. Yep, which was her peacekeeper look. Yeah. And John has a sexy new outfit, a sexy new peacekeeper outfit. Yeah, it's all black leather. God, the I don't want to keep talking about Nazi shit, but this episode is agro Nazi aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Like, giant red flag with a white circle and then the little black peacekeeper insignia on it. Like, it's not subtle. No, not at all. So, Scorpius tells John that, as as is the custom of the fair folk, as long as he is here on the command carrier, he shall have hospitality and no one will hurt him. Although, <laughs> okay, dude. Well, we see we see Scorpius's crew and realize that they are not quite as on board with this as Scorpius is. They are not. Uh, Scorpius may not be as in charge of the situation as he feels he is. And something something I like about Farscape is they honestly do a pretty good job of having characters who are fascists 
of portraying a fascist society because people think that fascist societies are, you know, it's evil, but they're efficient, which they're not. That's, right. That's, there's, a, there's a lot of waste in a fascist system. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is the weird, sad, ugly truth, but like taking care of people is generally cheaper and better than not taking care of people. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't have to make an economic argument because it is the good. But yes, it's actually also usually economically better. So we're going to slowly see over the course of this episode that various members of Moya's crew have made demands in exchange for John giving them the wormhole technology, which they're absolutely not going to do. They want to get Talon repaired while they're here, repaired and reprogrammed. Mm-hmm. And his guns removed. So basically the whole the whole thing about him existing is just going to be... They just got bored with the Talon plot, huh? I... Because this is basically them writing out, you know... The idea of Talon is basically a toddler in the most powerful tank on Earth. And they're just like, yeah, we're not, we're not interested in that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't like... I, I don't like them just being like, and eh, we're done with this. Eh. I mean, I know they've got other stuff I think, going on. I think on. they decided they're going to focus on the wormhole stuff because it's going to be all-consuming. Let me, let me amend that. I feel like this was an unsatisfying way to write out Talon. Mm. I feel like Talon should have just, like, left or something. Moya's been okay being away from Talon for long stretches of time. I don't like that they just kind of drop a major source of... Stories? Yeah. Like, I I was going to say conflict, but Talon is both a really... Like, he's a really powerful... (sighs) I think the issue with Talon is that he is, as you said, a toddler with a cannon, right? That's that's what we've been talking about. And at some point, the storyline of he's a toddler with a cannon is, well, why are these people not dealing with it? So they had to deal with it, and dealing with it means... Lobotomizing him? Yeah, it shouldn't have to mean that. Like, it's... You know what? You know what it was last week when he just all of a sudden out of nowhere decided to shoot the hospital ship and then and then fire it? Moya? It was when Connor set up all those bombs in that sports store. No, no, because that makes sense. I can see Connor doing that. No, it was when Riley just randomly was addicted to vampires biting him because they needed to get him off of Buffy. So they just gave him this bizarre addiction that we had never seen before so that Buffy had a reason to break up with him. The thing about Riley is... You shouldn't need a reason to break up with him? Well, yeah, I I get them not just wanting to kill him because that would be too much on top of Buffy's mom dying. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I know he left before... He could have just decided he wanted to go back to the military without... Yeah, like, the whole point was there was no place for him in Buffy's life. Yeah. Which... I mean, you could tell... (laughs) We're getting into Buffy discourse now. You could have told that story without having to make him terrible. I mean, Riley was white bread at the best of times, Mm -hmm. which is not bad. It's just not interesting. People like white bread well enough, but it's not something you want to eat every day for the rest of your life. 
So Crace is going to try to reprogram Talon. He says he needs the assistance of a Leviathan expert. And, oh, I don't know, maybe Lieutenant Laurel? And Brock is like, um, you mean your your ex-girlfriend? That's who you want to work with you? And Crace is like, well, she's just the best choice. She's just the most talented Leviathan fixer person. So... Are we supposed to... I mean, I know, obviously, there's a romantic thing in it. Mm -hmm. But that's forbidden among peacekeepers, right? Um, yes. Is friendship forbidden among peacekeepers? I kind of assumed it was, but that doesn't really work with a lot of stuff in this episode. I get romance not being allowed, but friendship being allowed. Well... That that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, friendship is definitely allowed because they they want troops to form bonds with each other you know, within their squads. They want them to to be close with each other. Do they? They do. I mean, there's a lot of you have to shoot your own people in the Peacekeepers. Oh, I was feeling more like you have to be willing to get shot to defend the people you're with. That's never really a vibe I've got from the Peacekeepers. They really seem to me like the only reason they're effective en masse as a military organization is because there's so many of them see i was thinking mainly of like the black ops special forces squadrons we've seen yeah which is the opposite of that yeah and also it's not necessarily that romance is forbidden it's that sex is encouraged to be recreational and just for fun which honestly i don't i don't have a problem if that's how you want to have sex um and familial connections, blood connections, are discouraged. So, the God, Crace was a shitty-ass peacekeeper then, because he had that whole thing with his brother. I know he wasn't raised as a peacekeeper. He was raised on a colony. Yeah, he was conscripted, so that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Although, honestly, well, anyway. Because he had the whole thing with his brother. Yes. Yeah, and you know what? That's exactly what the peacekeepers are worried about. That your brother will die in a freak wormhole accident and that you'll take an entire starship carrier on a reckless, pointless revenge mission. So I think they discourage friendship too, then, with that. Eh. You're, you're not going to blow up your career over a friend. This is a pointless discussion because as we have been talking about directly, I was going to say dancing around, but as we've been talking around directly, the Peacekeepers kind of suck as an organization. Yeah. Like, they have at least four different black ops units running around at all times, often working at odds against each other. We'll see that in this very episode. So, okay, actually... We will talk about the episode. We are talking about the episode. So I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about um, Nazis. I'm gonna talk about the corporate world. Okay. At a job that I used to have at a company that I no longer work for. Mm-hmm. All of the uh, all of the heads of teams were in. I'm, I'm being vague so that it. Yeah. All of the heads of teams were pitted directly against each other like every person's numbers were posted every week and we were all supposed to like compete with each other and look down on the people whose numbers were not higher we're not getting higher numbers it was a bad situation yeah that didn't sound healthy no it was not it was not a healthy environment at all 
I now work for a much better company where that's not the vibe. Hmm. So we see the, like, company lounge or whatever and realize that nobody is happy about escaped prisoners being allowed to just roam around the ship and do whatever they want and not be recaptured. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's bad times for Moya's crew right now. It's bad news, bears. Mm-hmm. I like the way they all kind of walk in, and it's like a Western saloon where the piano player stops playing and everyone turns to look at them, and they all kind of exchange looks. Some person elbows past Aaron and is like, traitor! And she's like, oh, fuck, this is such bullshit. Just grabs a beer. She's like, whatever. Jules' hair is bright red because she's in a very emotional state. That is correct. God, that must have been a huge pain in the ass to do. I don't know that it would be more of a pain in the ass than any other... Part of her aesthetic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We also see Crace walking through the corridors and and everybody walking past him just calls him a traitor as they walk past him so john goes to the wormhole science room and this like weasley guy's like "Ooh, i'm gonna give you all of the research so that you can you know finish this up and john immediately just blows up the computer and he's like come on this is some kindergarten ass shit i i talked to that lady who died the the wormhole lady who, like, tried to defect, but then melted. Like, I talked to her. I knew, I know that, you know, I know what you know. Please don't test me with this, you know, uh, with this bullshit. With this, you know, grade school bullshit. Because he's asking John to assist him with stuff that John knows is not the core of their research. And the reason John is throwing this fit is actually so that they will show him Everything they have up to this point, because he knows that they're not doing that yet. Uh, the guy, the the wormhole tech guy, mm-hmm. we saw him before with the woman who got melted. Yeah. They were they were working together before. And Scorpius comes up and he's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And John's like, Jesus Christ, dude, if you want the wormhole information, just tell me what you already know. It'll get the wheels in my brain turning and then I can just give it to you and we can be done. And Scorpius is like, oh, is my little guy grumpy? Yeah, yeah. John is like, I'm not going to sit at the kids' table. Uh, meanwhile, Braca brings Crace to his quarters and is like, hey, you know how everyone hates you? I hate you the most. So here are your quarters and uh, guess what? You should be in the brig. And Crace pulls a uh, that one scene from Mad Men. I don't think of you at all. It's actually really similar to the scene way, way back in season one at the end of the episode where at the end of the first Maldus episode where Aaron tells Zan that she would have made a great warrior. And then Dargo tells Aaron, you couldn't have insulted her more if you had tried. Mm -hmm. Except it's the reverse of that. Crace is like, you are an exemplary peacekeeper. It's, it's a very southern way to insult someone, by the way. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. So, Jewel is sitting at the bar with Aaron, and she's like, I can't believe you grew up here. That must have sucked balls. My planet people are, you know, high class and fancy and not just murderers all the time. Look at these low, classless murderers. And Aaron's like, yeah, it must suck having, you know, 
friends that you can murder alien species with. Well, Aaron is, uh, yeah, Aaron's remembering when she was here as a peacekeeper and like hanging out with her friends, just drinking and gambling and having people who cared about her, even though I would argue she has that now, but whatever. Yeah. Oh, oh no, you have, you have friends now, Aaron, and there are friends that didn't try to immediately shoot you when Grace declared you, uh untouchable or whatever now to be fair one of the friends that she's remembering is like a woman who's literally sitting right there in the bar so Mm. it makes sense to be missing her it's like running into your ex at a wedding i'm assuming that they uh that she wasn't on the you know team that grace was running with aaron at the beginning of the show because then i'm assuming that you know she probably would have Aaron's entire squad got demoted, so she was not on Aaron's squad. Or if she was, her rank was reinstated when Crace turned traitor. One of those two things is true. Mm. What happened to the rest of Crace's dudes? I mean, I think most I th- think most of them just got absorbed into Scorpius's crew. So most of them are here on this ship. Ah, okay. Yeah. Would would she have been with them or? Yeah. Maybe. I was thinking probably a lot of them died when the gamut base exploded, Oh, right? yeah. I'm like, sure a lot of them got taken out. Yeah. N- not to talk about She-Ra again. I don't think we've talked about She-Ra yet this week. Yeah. But in the Netflix She-Ra, there's a thing which I wish they had explored more, where, as in the original She-Ra, Adora, She-Ra used to be part of the evil group, the Horde. And then, you know, she turned because of her brother and or... Well, she was only in the Horde because she had been kidnapped as a child and brainwashed to be part of the Horde. Yeah. Magically in the old cartoon and regular brainwashing in the uh, new cartoon. But neither one of... I mean, the, the new one kind of explored it a little bit, but, like, Adora was constantly murdering people she used to socially know and work with Mm -hmm. which i feel like should be a bigger deal i get why they didn't address it in a you know children's show it's kind of weird that it doesn't come up more in farscape well aaron's not murdering these people i mean i guess she was murdering them at the gamut she was murdering them for quite some time that's a good point hmm anyway we see rigel talking about what he has asked for in exchange for John giving up the wormhole knowledge. And that is a report about what's going on on Hyneria. He wants to know if his cousin is uh, doing a good job leading or if it's ready for a, a riku. Yeah. An uh, unku. An unku. I, li- I like that. <laughs> Turns out that uh, Rigel's cousin is not doing a great job. He's still... I mean, he's still in charge, so he's doing a great job in that he hasn't actively been, you know, deposed or whatever, but the Empire is fracturing a lot under his lead, so there's there's an in for Rigel. According to the report that has been provided to him by the Peacekeepers. Yeah. Which, is, is that not trust- oh god, do we have to deal with Rigel shit later? Honestly, I don't remember if it's trustworthy or not, I'm just throwing out that I wouldn't count on it. It's weird because Hyneria seems to both be this massive empire and also one that the peacekeepers seem to have almost no interest in. Maybe they don't have any resources the peacekeepers care about. Mm. So Dargo's 
thing that he's getting is those rings that go through his uh, collarbone. Mm-hmm. He's getting those removed so that he, I mean, they're a mark of his of his imprisonment. So God, when was the last time those were referenced? I mean, they're a part of the costume. Hmm. I think, I think during the Clockwork Nabari episode, they were used to chain him up. And I think that was the last time we've seen them. Mm. Anyway. The thing we've been building up to literally all episode, Aaron's ex-girlfriend shows up. She's like, Aaron, I, I can't believe you're here. And Aaron's like, I'm so glad to see you. Please sit, drink with me. And her girlfriend takes the drink. Her ex-girlfriend. Takes the drink and is like, uh, no, you totally betrayed us and throws it in her face. Like, this is real housewives of the uncharted territories. (laughs) Yes. I drank all the throwing wine. Aaron asks her to drink with her and she says, I'm sorry, I only drink with peacekeepers and throws the drink in her face and everyone's like, ooh. Honestly, I kind of love it because it's such a real moment. It's odd that you contrasted that with it's a, it's something that would happen on Real Housewives of whatever, and it's a real moment. But yes, I guess I guess that is weird. It's a real fake moment. Yeah, I, a I fake mean, real moment. I've never thrown a drink in someone's face. Have wait? Have you thrown a drink in someone's face? No. No, I've never thrown a drink in anyone's face. I was once at a party and a friend of mine threw her drink in the bartender's face and got kicked out. And I left with her because she was obviously too drunk to get home on her own because she had thrown a drink in the bartender's face. I whipped a Toblerone at my old roommate, but I think that's that's about as uh, aggro as I've gotten with food and or drink. (laughs) Okay, so... John and Aaron go into the med suite where Dargo had his rings removed. And the reason they're doing this in there is because there's this anesthetic gas. And according to Aaron, the anesthetic gas messes with the sensors. So this is the room that they can come to to talk about their plans to fuck over Scorpius. Without the sensors spying on them. And what's wild about this to me is that they're wearing robes because this is a, like, med lounge with anesthetic spray. Mm. And, but they're, like, shiny, right? It's a shiny material because it's space. And they look kind of like Logan's Run or Star Trek the Original Series jumpsuits. Oh, I was thinking that uh, outfit Riker wore where he had, like, his left tit out. Oh, my God, yes. The outfit Riker wears when he goes down to the planet where the people kill you for walking on the grass. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they look like. Anyway, John reiterates that his plans are plan A, destroy all of the files that Scorpius has, but he hasn't been able to do that yet because he doesn't know how because it's alien tech. Mm. Plan B, just lead him on the wrong path so that he doesn't ever get wormhole technology, which he's unsure how to do because he doesn't actually have the tech yet. God, they screwed him over so much. Plan C, question mark profit. See, what this emphasizes to me Mm -hmm. is how fucked these guys are when they don't have Stark there to make the plans for them. Just guide everyone into death. Guide them into death. Well, remember, Stark's the one who came up with the plan for uh, 
robbing the shadow depository like stark's the one who comes up with plans i mean his plan was have talon blow the shit out of everything no no that's what they ended up doing but he had a plan before that his plan was turn rigel into a statue and deposit him Hmm. which is the kind of plan where worst case scenario you accidentally kill rigel yeah so there's a guy who looks kind of like if ray wise and seth MacFarlane had a baby oh my god that's exactly what i was thinking (laughs) He, he's a peacekeeper who's like, hey, so I think we should murder all these people. Hey, uh, other peacekeeper, you have a, like, murder device, right? You should go use that to murder, like, Dargo and uh, what's-her-face? Jewel. I'm sure he doesn't know her face, that's why. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Okay, he says- We're, we're just gonna murder Jewel because she's there. It's like climbing Mount Everest. He says that this is a special weapon that was built for him for a specific battle, and it is the most ridiculous thing ever. It's a fake arm that he has strapped on, so he's shirtless now with this fake arm strapped on, but it, you know, it goes over his it goes over his arm, except instead of ending in like a fake hand, it ends in a buzzsaw. So now he's got a buzzsaw that he can swing around. Like, what? What exactly was that battle where that was the weapon they were like, this is what we got outfit this guy with? Were they fighting Ents? God. It's it's like Whiplash, except somehow less useful. You remember Whiplash? Yeah, but that was like a whip. This is just like a tiny little buzzsaw. Yeah, like at least Whiplash had some range. How is this less... I'm sorry, how is this more effective than a blaster? Also, you're going to be, like, all off balance because it's only on one arm. And anyway, and, and we we see how off balance he is because when he swings it at Dargo, Jules able to slip in there and, like, punch him in the stomach, which is how they killed Houdini. <laughs> Jules gets kind of tossed all over the place and Dargo just, he pushes the guy to a wall and then he punches him in the face a million times. And then he pushes him back and kicks him in the crotch a dozen times. And then he's... And then the guy almost falls off a platform and Darko catches him and he's like, don't fucking touch me. And he pushes Darko away. Oh, no. Okay. So he, he's almost falling off the platform. Darko grabs him to save him. And then he uses this opportunity to take a swipe at Darko's arm with the, the blade. So Darko's like, well, fuck you then. And drops him and he falls to his death and is presumably chopped up by his own blade because the blade lands underneath his body. And the guy who set him up... Ray Wise is like, well, fuck. He's like, hey, our bad. We didn't tell him to do that. He just, he has a thing about Luxons. You understand, right? Also, I want to point it out because I feel like it would be a neglect of duty if I didn't. Darko did use his tongue in this, but for some reason it didn't work. Yeah, it had like no effect, which, which was not explained. Yeah. Like, why didn't it work on him? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so... Moya's crew and Scorpius comes to talk to Ray Wise Guy, and they're like, Ray Wise Guy. And they're like, hey, so I think it would be in your best interest if no one else tried to kill the Moya people, because as you can see from the chopped up bits of your friend over there, it's not going to end well. Yeah, yeah. So everyone except John and Aaron is like, so we're going to go because fuck all of this all the way. And Braca's like, no, you have to stay as, as insurance that John will work with us. 
And Scorpius is like, we do not have the high ground here, Braca. <laughs> yeah, like literally one of her guys just tried to go. Also, they have the stupid life force connecting bracelets. Come on. I mean, I guess he's like, oh, John will die for these people. But I mean, yeah, if they have Aaron, that's all the leverage they need. I mean, that is accurate. And they should know that. Yeah. Anyway, before Dargo leaves, he gets the thing that he wanted, which is information about where Macron is. You will remember that is the peacekeeper who was his brother-in-law who killed his Sebastian wife. I like how they had to find a new motivation for him since he found Jothy. And that didn't work out? Yeah, he's like, oh, crap, I need a new motivation. I guess I want to kill the guy who killed my wife. It's funny, you would think that Jothy would be the conner. Yeah. And I mean, he kind of is. He did have sex with Chiana. God. Is this I... show Connors all the way down? It's Connors all the way down. But, oh God, does John's daughter with that alien princess come back at some point and be like, nice to meet you, dad, and then kick him to death? Um, no, we don't see her in the show. But we do in one of the novelizations. There's a short story that we see her in. I have not read it, but I know from the wiki that we see her there. I actually, at some point intend to uh, procure all of the Farscape magazines so I can talk about the stories that are in all of them. Mm. But no, she doesn't come back in the show. So now we have Crace and his ex-girlfriend, and he's all like, hey, uh, sorry about that whole turning traitor and abandoning you thing, but to be fair, nobody knew you existed yet because you weren't an established character. And she's like, I'm exactly the same as your assistant who you killed to prove how, you know, twisted and evil you were. I have nothing but loyalty to you. I love you so much, Crace, and I'll do anything you say. I'm your number one with a bullet, Crace. I'm definitely not going to turn out to be a traitor who's just, you know, using our past relationship to manipulate you into giving me everything I want for the and, peacekeepers. And then they try to eat each other's faces. Yeah, it is aggro kissing it is like aggressively aggro kissing now when we were watching this episode you were like how many of these women are just floating around and i'm like hey there is no shortage of blonde women in the uncharted territories but then i looked at her a little more and i realized she's actually not blonde she has blonde highlights hmm. so she's like a fake blonde she's like an imitation of pk tech girl she's an imitation of Crace's first second in command whose neck he snapped. Maybe that means she'll survive. I'm kidding. She's a woman in a sci-fi show. Oof. Too harsh. I mean, it's true, but you shouldn't say it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the only main bridge crew who ever died on Star Trek and had it stick was Dasha Yar. It does not pay to be a blonde woman in space. That's true. Or in San Francisco. Or in San Francisco. So. By the way, I have not seen enough Star Trek to uh, say that with any definitive authority. She's the only bridge crew I know who died and stayed dead. Except, I guess, Kirk when he got smushed on that ship. Or by that ship. He's also blonde. He is also blonde. I like to imagine that Janeway killed him. I know that's Wait, not did what you happened. Wait, did you say by a ship? No, a bridge fell on him. A bridge, yeah. Because they had the, the joke, you know. Bridge on the captain. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, John and the wormhole guy are talking about his strategies to keep people from liquefying when they go through wormholes. And Scorpius shows up and is like, hey, uh, John, I'm pretty sure that you're just jerking us all around and you don't actually want me to have wormhole technology. 
He's been here for 15 goddamn minutes. I mean, it's true, but still. And then he's like, hey, I think that you should understand why I hate Scarin so much. And then we see all the stuff we learned about him a few episodes ago. I mean, we don't see it, but presumably that's what John's learning. Buckle in, I'm going to tell you a whole thing. Yeah. And John retreats to his brain space and he's like, so was that true? And Brain Scorpius is like, probably. Well, Brain Scorpius says that the facts are true, but he wants to know if Scorpius can be trusted to use wormhole technology responsibly. And Brain Scorpy Harvey is like, well, I only know what he knows. I don't know what he feels. I don't know how he's going to act. I don't know, like, any of that stuff. So... This is, and I mean, this is a good moral dilemma because the peacekeepers are a, you know, fascist society that, you know, does order through murders and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're not the out and out genocidal rapists that the Scarens are. Well, here's the thing like, are they not? They're uh, genocidal. Are they genocidal? Well, they're, they're, uh, they kill any they kill any person who is mixed sebation. That's why they were after Jothy. That's why they hated that's why they that's why uh Macron killed his sister. Mm. Like they're definitely supremacists. They definitely go around killing other races, just wiping them out. I mean my question for John would be Wait, do they wipe out other races? Yeah. They get called into other planets and like wipe out races. In fact, you said that they don't care about the Hynerians, but they were hired by Rigel's cousin to enact that coup. Mm. Like, that's what they do. They're they're mercenaries. And they're they're mercenaries who are also supremacists, so they, like, like killing aliens. I guess my question is, if you look at the facts, and I don't know the answer to this, but if you look at the facts, are the peacekeepers... Less evil than the Scarens, or do we just feel like they're less evil because they look human? Oh, I was going to say they're less efficient about it, I guess. Oh, well, that's accurate. I mean, they're, they they don't have, like, impenetrable skin and breathe fire that also makes you tell the truth. Yeah, and they have the, like, aggressive weak sauce weakness that doesn't really come up as much as you think it would with the heat thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question isn't, are the peacekeepers the lesser of two evils, but rather, are the peacekeepers someone we could take in a fight? Mm. Probably not if we give them wormhole tech. Yeah, that would that would balance the thing. I think the main thing for me that kind of makes the Scarens the more evil of the two is that we've, you know, canonically, textually see them rape people. They're like textual rapists. Which is not something that the peacekeepers are. Yes. And it's like, it's not just like a thing that they do. It is part of their society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Scarens are pretty evil. But I mean, they kind of had to do that to, I mean, they didn't have to do that. It was gratuitous and awful and gross and I don't like it. But it was the logical thing to do if you wanted to be like, this is the next level of evil up from people who do genocides. <laughs> You're like, uh, these people do genocides and also they're rapists. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the Scarens' ability to read your mind, though. This is a fun episode. (laughs) Sorry, go on. We briefly learn in, from Brain Scorpius, from Harvey, that he is, he is the reason that Scorpius doesn't know John is lying. He's keeping 
Scorpius from realizing that. Yeah, he's suppressing all of John's lying chemicals. Yep. So... Back to Talon. Yeah, they're establishing that Talon is not going to be a thing we have to worry about on this show anymore. But mostly we just want to see Brock uh, pull Crace's current girlfriend aside and be like, so just to be clear to the audience, you are on my side and you are going to betray him, right? And she's she's like, like, duh. Oh, yeah. So John and Aaron are walking around in like, she he's like this is a park and she's like no it's it's a it's like the danger room it's a recreation of an environment one might fight in that we can you know familiarize ourselves with the different places we might know combat and he's like yeah but it's also like a park and she's like yes it's also like a park anyway they're talking about what they're going to do and john's like hey um it just occurred to me that maybe the only way to stop the Skyrans is to let the Peacekeepers have wormhole tech. And she is like, oh, fuck this guy. And she reminds him that her John died to keep the wormhole technology from going to the Skarens. So, you know, maybe he should suck it up and do his job. I don't get that logic. I mean, I get it sort of in the abstract, but her John died to stop the Skarens from getting the wormhole knowledge. And he wants to do something that will stop the Skarens from getting the wormhole knowledge. Well, he didn't want anyone to have the knowledge. Yeah. I mean, he made that, remember he made that video chip for, for John that he put inside of, uh, inside of Stark's helmet where he was like, you can't let Scorpius get this tech. I took care of the Skarens. You need to go keep the, the, you need to go keep Scorpius from getting it. Okay. So not to, (sighs) I think you might have to put a trigger warning on this episode. There is a really logical thing for John to do here, which would accomplish all of his goals. Kill himself? Kill himself. It would kill Scorpius at this point because they're linked through that device, and it would stop anyone from getting the wormhole technology. I can't argue with your logic, but that would be a super downer way to end the series. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not saying he should do it, I'm just saying it's kind of the obvious solution at this point. You're not wrong. It's just kind of weird that no one's brought it up. I mean, you know what? If Stark was here, he would bring it up because Stark is good at making plans and Stark understands what things cost. This guy, John, into death. No, yeah, exactly. Just look at the star. It's not even the first time Stark said to do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it sucks, yeah, but it's weird that it doesn't even come up because he's like, there is no option. There's nothing we can do. I I keep circling back to Jesus fucking Christ. The ancients are such massive dicks. But no, you're right. It's the obvious solution. The only place that wormhole knowledge exists currently is in John's head. And he is biologically connected to Scorpius right now. If he dies right now, Scorpius dies too. And Scorpius is the one who has the best chance of unlocking wormhole technology without john so you are not wrong but as i said that would be a super downer ending also he's the main character in this tv show yeah that's why it would be a downer ending and then after that the show's just aaron on on the ghost world yep it's just aaron getting drunk on ghost world looking off into the distance i'd watch that show i mean i would watch like a ghost okay so when we were talking about it i didn't I didn't mention this at the time, but I was thinking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I would like for Farscape? Do you remember the Animatrix 
Yes. I would love an animatrix style thing where it's just like a bunch of different animators doing their takes on the Uncharted territories and like an animated short that takes place on Ghost World would be so kick ass. Yeah. Okay, we, we really need to get into the rest of this we episode. We have been talking for so long and we've still got half the episode to go. <laughs> All right, speed round. No, I'm just kidding. We'll talk about it normal. So back on Moya, a Peacekeeper crew shows up and starts shooting at her. So she starbursts away. It is like, oh no, but before she can starburst away, they get shot and now they're stuck and it is bad and they get captured by some other Peacekeepers. Okay, I want to point out right before this happened... Chiana had one of those psychic visions that she's been having. She has a psychic vision of Pilot screaming in pain. And she's like, Pilot, I just had a psychic vision of you screaming in pain. And he's like, I'm not screaming in pain. And then everything goes down. And I'm like, what was the goddamn point of that, Chiana? Yeah, she saw like 30 seconds into the future. So not helpful. Thanks, Phoebe Hallowell. (laughs) I know I've said that a few times, but get more useful psychic powers, Chiana. So... Crace is talking to his ex, and she's all like, so what was it like to be connected to a ship? Was it super sexy? And Crace is like, yeah, it was super sexy. And she's like, hey, when you leave, maybe you should ask me to go with you this time, because you didn't last time, so. And he's like, yeah, that's because you weren't written yet. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of ex-girlfriends who weren't written yet, Aaron's like, hey, ex-girlfriend, can we have it out? And her ex-girlfriend is like, um, you totally are a traitor. And Aaron's like, um, I was declared irreversibly contaminated. And she's like, yeah, by Grace, who then turned out to be a traitor, you could have come back after that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right? I feel like that is a big ask. Yeah. And Aaron's like, well, by that time I had realized that the peacekeepers were shit. So, no. Yeah, the, the girlfriend's like... You didn't think you had a choice? And Aaron's like, are you not familiar with Peacekeepers? Were you not watching the episode The Choice, where I made the choice? And Aaron tells her, like, I still believe in the ideals that I was taught were Peacekeeper ideals, like loyalty and... um, Honor. Honor. It's just that Peacekeepers don't actually do all that shit. It's... The chutzpah this woman has, this non-Aaron woman has, to be like, how is it loyalty if you turned your back on the people who trusted you the most? And I'm like, you're aware that, like, your entire society was willing to turn on Aaron because she spent 15 minutes... As a a prisoner. As a prisoner of some other people. Like... Irreversibly contaminated. And yeah, Krace turned traitor, but it's not like anyone under his command had any issues with that. It's not like that's an unheard of thing in the piece. Like, it seems like that's pretty standard operating procedure. So, John's working with the science nerd guy, and uh, the science nerd guy's like, you know, I kind of had a thing for that lady who melted, and John's like, yeah, that's neat, dude. He also tells him, he, he's kind of bonding with him. He's like, you know, you were close to her, you cared about her, and she melted pretty soon after I met her, but she seemed cool before then. He says to him, he's like, oh, no, no, you're doing this wrong. Let me show you how to make these equations work or whatever. He walks over to the guy and he writes something on his hand so that only the guy can see what he's writing. We don't see it either. 
And then they're interrupted by Aaron being like, hey, guess what? The peacekeepers just fucking shot Moya out of the sky. Now, they're not great at pretending that they're not actively attacking Moya or her crew. Yeah. Chainsaw guy and then this. So the guy who... uh, Ray Wise guy. The Ray Wise guy is like, um, who who captured these people? Because Scorpius totally said he was going to kill me if they got hurt. So, uh, what the fuck? And Lieutenant Greza, our new sexy, insane military commander, shows up and is like, I ordered it. She's got a real Romulan quality about her. She does. She's got, like, the short black hair, and she's got the, like... Well, I don't think Romulans normally have dresses that low cut, but... Yeah, I was supposed to say, she has a lot of cleavage for a military commander, but... I mean, I guess look how Scorpius is dressed, so... (laughs) Scorpius is all like, this is my base, and she's like, your authority is not absolute, Scorpius. And then she's like, here's the Luxon ambassador, we've made an alliance. And then the background Dargo's like, god damn it! What the fuck, other Luxons? God, that's a lot of cleavage. I didn't really notice when we were watching oh, the episode the first time, but yeah. it's like <sighs> not to um, not to constantly reference other things, but you remember in the uh, GI Joe episode of Community, how is this a military organization? Look how we're all dressed. Yeah, that's how it is with the peacekeepers. The higher up you get, the less they care about like the uniform code. Yeah, so Luxa has entered an agreement with the peacekeepers that they're going to be bros now to, you know, protect against the Scarin invasion. Mm-hmm. And, and Greza also says that they, the, the Sebations, they, the peacekeepers, are looking weak because the Moya crew is out there becoming famous, blowing up shadow depositories and, like, Robin Hooding across the galaxy, and everybody knows that they're escaped prisoners, so... Making the peacekeepers look like chumps. And Scorpius is like, okay, okay. Shut up. Shut up. I know the Scarens. You know what they're gonna you know what they're gonna think when they see the peacekeepers making alliances with the goddamn Luxons? They're gonna think that we're running scared. They're gonna think that we're scared little piss babies, and they're right. They're just gonna attack us faster. And she's and what's her face is like Ah, but that's why we have the Alliance. So, you know, they'll think that they have the upper hand, but actually will have the upper hand. And Scorpius is like, that is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. I, 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 I'm, I, I, I literally, I don't know what to say to that. Jesus fucking Christ, listen to yourself. You're teaming up with the Luxons. The Luxons. Like, in a galaxy full of lawyer races, they're the worst. Anyway, John comes in with his guns drawn, and he's gonna shoot Scorpius, and Scorpius is like, sorry, this was, uh, this is Graza, she went over my head, so he pulls a blaster on Graza, and he's like, hey, I'm John Crichton, and she's like, yes, I've heard of you, and he's like, well, then you know that I am known for making stupid moves, and over in the corner, Aaron just nods, like, oh yeah, he totally is, he will totally shoot you without thinking it through. So she turns to Scorpius and she's like, look, you've clearly lost control of this situation. And Scorpius is like, give me a second, lady. Come on. He sends over the the intercom that Moya's crew should be released and security should escort Greza back to her ship. 
And I'm like, Scorpius, you are overplaying your hand. And I mean, I would just personally, I mean, I would just have her killed. And then if anyone in the Peacekeeper Command asks, I would say John did it. I mean, he can, he barely has enough control of his people to have them release the Moya crew. I definitely don't think they would cover for him. And he's not alone in that room. Hmm. And she has a whole squadron with her. Anyway, she's all like, well, I'll come back with a warrant. Come back with a warrant. And and she, she like, goes over to uh, Ray Wise guy, and she, like, tucks something in the back of his collar. And then she storms off, and Scorpius is like, yeah, go. Scooch. Scooch. Back on Moya, Pilot is like, Moya will not take a control collar. And everybody's like, we dealt with that already, Pilot. I'm sorry. It really sucks that you're attached to the ship, so you miss out on everything, but we're, we're, we're going now. We're, they freed us. You would call her Moya? Also, I don't think she'd have much of a choice. Well, she said she would die first. Is that something she's capable of doing? Can mm, she? Probably. It's weird she didn't do it the first time around. Well, before she didn't know how bad it would be, so she wasn't willing to die before she was collared. Mm. I don't know. Moya seems like the sort of uh, ship that is constantly in danger of exploding, you know, in day-to-day ship life, but couldn't do it if she needed to. Oh, sad Moya. Remember the episode that hinged on the fact that she couldn't open a door? Yes. The entire plot of the episode could have been resolved if Moya could open a door. Anyway, Greza calls Ray Wise Guy on the burner phone and is like, all right, it's mutiny o'clock. Yep, it's time to send Scorpius over to Team Crichton for good. We're doing a Dragon Ball Z in this, you know, joint. Mm-hmm. The part of Dragon Ball Z where, you know, every arc ends with the main bad guy becoming friends with the main crew or dying. I'm mostly going off when i watched dragon ball z in middle school but that was the thing that they did back then i'm aware it's been running for the past 20 years since then i mean for me it's all about zuko zuko joining team avatar but yeah that's that's the thing about uh farscape if you're a villain you either die a villain or become a nominal good guy yep anyway back in the medical steam room John is telling Aaron that the stuff is starting to, like, flow. Like, it's, the wormhole knowledge is beginning to be unlocked in his head. And he's like, I'm not sure it's a good thing, though, because, you know, I don't want them to have this knowledge. And if I have access to it, then it's going to be harder to keep it secret. The other, and Aaron's like, yeah, well, the other, John also had to click into place and he died to keep it secret. So maybe don't be a total wuss bag. And he's like, well, but the other John didn't know that... Scorpius had a had a tragic backstory. It's like, what are are you? A, are you a Tumblr kid, John? He's like, ooh, poor poor misunderstood cinnamon roll that is Scorpius. It's sort of the two directions uh, Tumblr goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> e- e- either either any small act of evil, no matter what it is, you know, marks you irredeemably as a bad person. Or, no matter what horrible things you did or keep on doing, it's fine. They're excused by your tragic backstory. Yeah. Nothing is ever anyone's fault. To quote the worst uh, runner in later Scrubs, 
my parents were mean to me. Mm. Which, uh, okay, so I'm not going to relitigate Scrubs. I'm, I feel like it would be a hard rewatch. I really enjoyed it at the time. I watched it relatively recently, and I think a lot of it does hold up. It has some amazing episodes that are still amazing, but there's so it's it's shot all the way through with misogyny and homophobia, mm. which are not two unrelated concepts, by the way. Yeah, but. One of the things I really dislike about the later seasons of Scrubs is that there was clearly someone on the writing staff who thought that having large groups of people saying the same thing in unison was fucking hilarious. Oh my god, yes. They do it so much, it's never funny. And I'm like, why didn't they just ask the person in the writing room who kept pitching that to leave? That and the thing with Jordan explaining her bad behavior with my parents with her saying my parents were mean to me anytime she did anything awful and i'm like this is just missing the point of the character the point of the character which granted is probably grounded in misogyny and or bill lawrence's weird feelings with his you know his weird dynamic with his wife yes but the point of jordan in scrubs is that she's basically a horrible monster all the time for no reason Okay, so instead of talking about Scrubs, let's talk about this fight scene. John and Aaron realize they're being followed, and they dive into what's essentially like the generator for the ship, Mm -hmm. and it's so awesome because the ship is generated with these, like, giant columns filled with some sort of reactive gas, and it changes the way everything works. Like, when John shoots his blaster, it just turns into a little ball that, like, the the blast just becomes this little ball that just hangs there in the air. And they're just fighting with whatever they can grab. John grabs a, uh... Well, he grabs a jetpack thing, and he accidentally uses it to propulsion a guy into one of the square repositories of energy and the guy just kerplodes. I think that this is a really, really cool set piece. It, I'm, I'm sorry. It just, the fight scene looks so stupid. Okay. They overplayed their hand by thinking that we would believe a man could fly. The jetpack stuff was a little out of their ability to do, but I really like this scene specifically because this is a classic action movie scenario where you're fighting and the environment is being used as a weapon, right? All you have is the environment, but it's space and it's an environment unlike anything we've ever seen before. So the way things operate, the way you can use the environment is not only not what you usually see, but also John is having to figure it out on the fly because it's not an environment he's used to. The thing is, like, it, it is a 3D fight, but it's not because they're in space. It's because they both have backpack or jetpacks. Yeah. Oh, but I wasn't thinking about the 3D aspect. I was thinking about the weird reactive gas aspect. It's an interesting concept for a fight. It's just the whole thing looks like that bit where RoboCop kills Red Foreman. Okay. I mean, you're like... You're like, you know what this action sequence reminds me of? One of the most badass action movies of the 1980s. Okay. I know, it's a terrible shot, though. Yeah, it would be just like, if it was that shot banging against another one of that shot, it's just someone going, ah, on a green screen and then being blue, or blue screen? Yeah, I think at the time it was blue screen. 
And then just being blue screened into someone else going, ah, and waving their arms around all willy nilly. Yeah, that is what happens. Anyway, but this set looks really cool, though. Yes. And while this is happening, Scorpius is feeling everything that's happening to John. And then John falls and he's like seconds from being sucked up by the reactor. And he's like, fuck, this is how I die. And then Scorpius's minions run in and cut the power so that he doesn't die. And then he kills Ray Wise guy. Yep. And uh, Scorpius calls in John and is like, hey, uh, John, you need to give me the wormhole knowledge like yesterday because I am losing control of this situation and people are going to kill you too. So you know how like we're physically actually linked with the bracelets? Like our fates are now metaphorically linked as well. It works on every level. And John's like, look, I know there's nothing you can do to me because, you know, if I die, you die. And Scorpius is like, you know what? We've been psychically connected and stuff. I, You know, I've been around the universe and I fucking got coordinates to Earth. And if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to murder every single person on Earth and make you watch. And you're going to live through that because we've got the connection. So I need to keep you alive. But you're going to see every single human die. So maybe think about pulling your head out of your ass and doing what I say. He, he shows John a hologram of Earth to prove that he found its location. And he tells John he doesn't even need a wormhole to get there. It's only 60 light years away. So, yeah. Chew on that, John. Wah, wah. Of course, if Abed's theory's right, then uh, he'd do a little retcon himself out of reality by blowing up Earth. Mm, mm. I still don't think uh, I still don't think Abed's theory was correct, though. Well, wait till we get to the episode Kansas before you make a definitive thing. Oh, is there a thing later that makes it more likely that Abed's theory about the peacekeepers being just a future version of uh, humans? He make it, There's a thing that happens that makes it not entirely ridiculous. Okay. Because as of right now, it's especially if Earth is a place that you can just go to, it seems like Abed is wrong. Yeah, wait till we get to Kansas. So that's that's it. To be continued. I like this episode. It's it's honestly, I don't think it's like a top tier episode of Farscape or anything, but it's a really solid one. I wasn't bored at any point during it, which is a big uh, it is a lot of how I judge an episode of Farscape. I mean, I really like this episode. I, I feel like it has both action, but it also delves into a lot of what it means to be dealing with a fascist government and like what what kind of sacrifices you have to make to defeat a fascist government i'm sorry that we talked about nazis so much but they kind of made us because they're not very subtle about going to the nazi well with the peacekeepers Mm -hmm. so the next episode is into the lion's den part two wolf in sheep's clothing Hmm. and the description from amazon prime is the crew has been captured. Crace betrayed them. Now Scorpius is threatening Earth. Crichton must help him develop wormhole weapons or he'll wipe out Earth. Crichton has no choice but to help him. One person will make a decision that will stop Scorpius's research, but a high price will be paid. Okay. I believe that will bring us to our segments. That will bring us to our segments. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you in this episode? I liked the humanization of the peacekeepers. While still firmly reminding us that these are, you know, fascists and bad, I do like that they were like, but they're also people, which is why it's more horrifying that they genocide people, not less. Yes. 
Okay, so you went with something big and serious. I'm just gonna say I love that generator fight. I like the generator set, and I like the concept of the fight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't judge. It's such an old show, but it just looked so goofy. I mean, I've been watching sci-fi long enough that I just I just let it go. Just let it go if the special effects aren't quite there. I don't get why they were moving their arms like this. It looks so bad. If they just supermaned, it would be fine. Okay. Superman was... I, I mean, that was, like, groundbreaking. They, they could, that's why they couldn't recreate it for Supergirl. And it came out 20 years before this. I'm sorry. You just had to not move your arms like the arms and legs like this. <laughs> that was all they had to do to make it less goofy. And that brings us to our second segment, Strange Alien Creatures. I'm in a life or death situation. Ah! What costumes or creature design did you like in this episode? I like John's new uh, outfit. Yeah, it I, is. I mean, black leather, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of basic black leather, but it's got a kind of high collar. I like it. I mean, we all learned from the gay pirate show, hashtag renew our flag means death, mm. that uh, wrapping a man in black leather is just, it's just the way to go. I, I, I'm ashamed that I previously did not realize how hot Taito Watiki was. Oh, so you weren't a huge fan of the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie? I literally didn't watch it. Wait, was he in that? Yes. Because he's also in, he's also in, um, the Ryan Reynolds movie, uh, Free Guy. Yeah. Yeah, he played his best friend, uh, Tom in, huh. in the Green Lantern movie. Interesting. I mean, I like him. I just never found him sexy. But, mm. oof. Oof. A character who was Inuit in the comics and who Haldron had a very racist nickname for, which they phased out in more modern adaptations. But he was like Hal Jordan's Jimmy Olsen mm. in like the Silver Age Green Lantern stuff. And then he just never got to do anything in later stuff because they're like, hey, Hal Jordan had a sidekick who was not white and who he had a very racist nickname for. So maybe let's uh, just acknowledge that the guy exists and then not do anything with him. Got it. Well, at least for our last segment, the wonders that I've seen, which is what emotionally worked for you in this episode. It was such a little part of it, and I, I, I want to see more of it, but... Aaron's dynamic with her ex-girlfriend, who mm. we've been referring to as her ex-girlfriend, even though they're just friends. They're girl pals. But I, I did, I like that dynamic because it's a situation where both characters clearly think that they're in the right. Mm. And both characters feel, well, not so much Aaron. The the other character feels betrayed and Aaron's like, ah, uh, but well, you haven't been through the stuff I've been through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... For me, it was Aaron lecturing this John about what the other John died for. Like, for her, there's still two different people, and the wrong one still died for her. It's rough. It's rough medicine for John. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Yeah, I believe that'll about do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. We can also be reached at 
I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>